from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Professor Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. Hello, Americus. Hey, Barbara. How you doing? So, Americus, did you watch the Super Bowl? You know what? Here's something funny. I caught all the highlights. I caught all the commercials and like all of the plays that were of significant impact. So does that count as watching? You tell me. The Reader's <laughs> Digest version, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> this, yes, exactly. Well, today we have somebody who's pretty invested in the Super yeah. Bowl to join us. We are yep. really lucky to have Todd Kaplan, who's the vice president and head of marketing at PepsiCo. Welcome, Todd. Hey, happy to be here. And I'm guessing you watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> I did. I did. I was uh, I was there, uh, fortunate enough to be there in, in, in L.A. It was great. Oh, you were in L.A. Were you in live? You were there like live. Right? I was there live. Yeah. Wow. That's my dream to be there. So that's the place to be. This Super Bowl from all the cameos seemed like everybody was anybody I that mean, was famous. L.A. Uh, post pandemic, well, post pandemic, but like people starting to come out from the pandemic and emerge. It was a, a who's who of, uh, of folks there for sure. Very. Yeah, cool. it was pretty cool. So let me tell you, before you tell me the truth, I'm going to tell you what I tell my students. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> so, you know, Pepsi, I think, um, has been doing some really great Super Bowl um, commercials and, you know, the sponsoring the halftime show. And, and you connect a lot with music, I think. It's not sure. just this halftime show, but you have some incubator for startup uh, musicians and you have a yeah. very long history with sports and with musicians. And I tell my, my um, students that this is partly to keep Pepsi as a young brand and to connect with the younger consumer. Is there any truth to what I'm telling my students? <laughs> um, it's, it's more a matter of just becoming a, uh, a, a current brand. And Pepsi has always been about this, this youthful energy. So there is some truth there, Barbara, what you're saying. But what I would say is that Pepsi's got such a rich heritage in music as you think about um, you know, and Pepsi is largely credited in the 80s of even inventing lifestyle marketing. As you think of back with Michael Jackson and yep. you know, all the Ray Charles and going to Britney Spears in the 90s and that continuing all of that narrative. And, you know, um, I've really tried since coming onto the brand to instill a, a culture first mindset uh, onto the team to do things that resonate today. And music uh, and sports and entertainment are, are clearly a, a part of that. And so mm -hmm. how we show up needs to be really authentic in that space. And uh, we're doing a lot of really fun stuff there uh, to do that. You know, you, I forgot about that whole history. I mean, when I used to teach about the Cola Wars, it was yeah. always that Pepsi was the next generation and the yeah. young brand and Coke was more of a the real thing, old time, you know. Old school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the, the um, archaic as it were. And I'm from Atlanta, so I can say that. Oh, so, Atlanta. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't, don't send letters, <laughs> listeners, okay? Just, just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I forgot about that. It's just so much a part of Pepsi's DNA now that I forgot that I used to talk about it as a differentiation, uh, the difference between what Pepsi was focusing on. And for sure, you did always have this music 
heritage. Um, I think the Super Bowl, I don't know in your Reader's Digest version, Americus, if you saw any of the halftime, but I thought the halftime was a home run myself. I huge, don't know. Thank you. Huge. Sorry, Todd. I love what you do, sir. Thank you so much for doing this. I got to tell you, I did watch the entire 14, 15 minutes yeah. uh, spectacle on YouTube, Barbara, and I was goosebumps the whole time, baby. Dre came out. I mean, Fitty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on. We had Eminem, Mary come J. On. I mean, yeah. it was hot. It was fire, Todd. Thank you, sir, for doing that, man. That is awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my kids texted me right after the halftime show. Oh, my God, that was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> so I assume, how how hard is it to get together yeah. that kind of talent? And to do, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about yeah, it? it's just a couple phone that? calls and it's like, it's like, come on. It's like, it's like, Todd has Dre on his, uh, right around oh, the speed. not even listen it's um it's a it's a whole process and there's so much that goes into planning something like that just to give some context we like to talk about the pepsi super bowl halftime show as quite literally the world's largest stage and when you think about it Mm. you know 100 million people watch the super bowl every year and when you think about music and an artist performing a lot of people use madison square garden selling out the garden as the epitome of your career well Capacity there is 20,000 people. So mm-hmm. you're playing to 5,000 sold out MSGs at once mm-hmm. live at the Super Bowl. And so mm. it's the last great live cultural event that's always the most viewed, most talked about music mm-hmm. event of the year. And so a few years ago when I started on, on the Pepsi brand, you know, I really wanted to reimagine the platform back to this idea of cultural relevance and mm. use that opportunity to really strike much more of a deep record in today's culture. And so we brought in Jay-Z and Rock Nation to help mm-hmm. consult us with the platform. Ah. We repositioned how we thought about the platform from just the 12 minutes of the show to a 12 month long mm. yearly platform where now our announcement is a big event when we announce J-Lo ah. and Shakira or Dr. Dre and his friends and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding new ways to bring fans closer. I don't even know if you know, this year we did Two, uh, aside from the, the lineup and, and the show itself, we did two really big different things. One was um, we created the first ever Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show app, uh, where basically people oh, all, no, all year that. have been able to go behind the scenes, see behind oh, the scenes content of their artists, get closer, cool. augmented reality. And then during the show, um, we had this thing called the Ultra Pass on the app where you could immerse yourself on stage in 360 in your living room next to the talent as they were performing. Oh, Todd, are you kidding me? You're telling me this on Wednesday. Saying, hey, it was all over the Super Bowl, man. And then, um, you know, and then the other thing we did this year, which I'd encourage you guys to check out is we, we created a movie trailer uh, for the halftime show itself. So we partnered with F. Gary Gray, who uh, he's, you know, done straight out of Compton, Friday, just some classic movies. And we made this epic content that is, uh, you know, a couple of weeks out leading up just to get people amped up. It's been getting, I think, like 12 million views in its first week on YouTube. And it's just been, it's been great. And so, listen, for us as a brand, you know, what I always tell my team is, um, you know, while we're very fortunate to have the brand awareness and the brand legacy that we have, right? Pepsi. We don't need a logo slap and awareness. We we have that, right? And so it's all about brand relevance and connecting on mm. that emotional level. So we want to be the most talked about brand on mm. Super Bowl Sunday. And so mm-hmm. this year we've just won our third consecutive Pepsi Twitter Brand Bowl MVP, which is the number one share of voice among all Super Bowl advertisers, the most talked about brand. In fact, 74% of all the social conversations on Twitter about Super Bowl brands were about Pepsi. 
Wow, wow. that would be really cool. Like, that's and you're not in like with weak competition. You're you're going against right. here and I mean, right. You got all the heavyweights, but that yeah. I mean, it just shows the the scale of the platform. Now again, we have a whole social war room set up at Twitter, and we're doing you know all sorts of activity. We during the game and things of that sort. It's a, it's a lot of work to do it, but uh, it's something in that app, by the way, that I was just telling you about, we were the number three app in the app store globally, uh, more wow. than Facebook, TikTok, wow. you name it. So wow. um, we've been, we've been busy. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So let me, let me move off the halftime, although we can come back to it again. Yeah, sure. but just, there's a couple other things that you guys did that was a little bit innovative. Actually, we had somebody on from ad age and he was talking about what he thought that this was an, um, innovative strategy. So sure. not only are you big in in music, but you're also big in sports, which isn't surprising because you sell yeah. a lot of product at sports stadiums, et cetera, et cetera. So you had this like the road to the Super Bowl on the sports side too, with the Manning brothers and sure. all of that other stuff. Uh, yeah. And one of the things the ad age, now that we got you, you can tell us the ad age <laughs> guy was talking about that he thought was interesting in your in your advertising was that that those ads with the Manning brothers and all of that were multi-brand. So that yeah. you were doing not only yeah. not only a lot of different beverages, but a lot of different snack foods, all Pepsi brands, obviously, yeah. but still typically in advertising, you focus on one brand at a time. So can you talk a little bit about that strategy? Yeah. And so that that work was led by a team that does what we call our, our power of one uh, is what we call it internally uh, activations. And so between PepsiCo, uh, just for your listeners, you know, we have all our beverage brands, you know, Pepsi, Gatorade, Mountain Dew, Starbucks, etc. And then we have all our snack brands, which are like, you know, Frito-Lay, so Doritos, Cheetos, Tostitos, uh, Quaker, all, all sorts of stuff like that. And um, when you think about, um, so when I talk to you about the halftime show, that's more of a equity driving piece of creative, more about culture, more about expressing our brand point of view about mm. unapologetic enjoyment, all of that. Mm -hmm. When you think about a, a spot that's more portfolio based, it's really occasion based and stock mm. up shopper based focused. So it. when you think of Super Bowl Sunday, you have chips, you got dips, you got sodas, you got water, you, you got all of it. And so, hey, why don't we remind people as they're heading into the weekend or they're watching their football game about to do their groceries, Hey, this is best for your Super Bowl party. Stock up on all this stuff and find a way to remember. Don't forget the bubbly. Don't forget the Tostitos, whatever it is. And so bringing it all together, there's some scale and efficiency uh, in the messaging you can have there. Now, let me ask you this, Todd, just really quickly, because I love Barbara's question is just incredible. And relating yeah. back to what Adweek said, what, did you also, Todd, uh, coordinate uh, at the in the stores at the point of purchase? Yeah. Here's the bundle. Like when I actually go and I'm, I'm motivated, I see this spot and I see the portfolio. Yeah. When I show up to the store, is there? Did you? Are, did you make it more frictionless for me to like just slide right into that occasion? Totally. And yeah, okay, every, talk a little bit about that. Oh, Marcus, that's a softball. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, listen, I, and, and listen. I'm sure you guys teach about this too. It's a big CPG company. Everything we do is we think media to shelf, right? Is what we call it. And so. Got it literally in the store. So even for the, the Super Bowl stuff for the halftime show, um, we had a QR code on every one of our cans that would get you a download of the app and talk about it there. And we'd have point of sale on that. For the portfolio, obviously every Super Bowl, we, we go after, you know, the lobby of the grocery store. There's these big displays with cases and banners and footballs and goalposts and all that stuff. And so we have all of that so that when that stuff is in store, you're seeing the messaging so that when Love you it. kind of drive in, it all connects for sure. 
So, okay. so I embarrassed myself, Barbara, because I asked, I asked the guru, like, do you have all of these points of, of protocol <laughs> aligned? He's like, America's, are yeah, you kidding? You know Come on. <laughs> this isn't my first down. rodeo, That's man. It. Come on. It's a good suggestion. I'll take that one, take that one back. <laughs> well, actually, I was surprised. We had on our show once the guy who does sports marketing for Pepsi. And, and I was asking him if, like, those cans actually sold better if they had sports paraphernalia on it and he yeah. said that they did actually mm -hmm. that yeah. really did make a difference uh i don't know what what the causality is maybe you're buying more if you're at a sports event or maybe the sports drives it yeah he a lot of it's not as uh transactional as that and you're saying hey if we could sell x more if we do this a lot of it is just kind of a general programmatic they'll get more display activity from the retailer if it's if you're in you know in um you know, Miami and the Miami Dolphins are your team there and you care about them, then you have a display with their logo. Like it, it all, it all connects back. And there is some stuff around brand affinity that uh, people's passion points, you know, that sports really helps you connect with. So let me ask you one more question in general about the Super Bowl, or that we could do more, but then we also kind of talk a little about in the future too, because we get yeah, the expert with us Americas. Let's get as much as we can. Totally. Um, one of the things all the Monday, afternoon quarterbacks after you know about advertising was talking about this whole week was about how in general all the ads were looking happy and there was a lot of celebrity and there was the last two years of covid where it was all this earnest advertising and people didn't know what to do that seemed to be gone so there was a lot of conversation about all of that and one of the things that affected me when i was thinking about it, it was kind of hard to discriminate among all the ads because a lot of them were coming in similarly in that dimension I did think Pepsi's ads were distinctive and I do remember them. Mm -hmm. And of course the halftime show, but, mm. but everybody was, seems to do that. Do you have any reflection on that? How, I mean, were those all independent points of view or did you all get together and decide COVID advertising <laughs> no, I feel is over? That, I feel <laughs> that there's a, a bunch of things and, and listen, we can talk whether the ads were, were great or not, or what was winning, you know, and again, and there's so many different things going on and a lot of noise, as you point out. And obviously when Super Bowl ads come on, people try to over-index on justifying their investment. So they'll go deep mm. on a celebrity or they'll go overproduce mm. something or make a very, you know, and it might, in my opinion, a lot of it is trying way too hard uh, just mm. to be candid and to cut through in the noise, given there's so much going on. Right. To your point, um, if everyone's doing it, like, you're, you're, it's not like an arms race. Like I have three celebrities. You have to like nobody cares. <laughs> it, really, it really comes down to honestly, the best work really comes down to: Do you know who your brand is, and do you have a distinctive brand point of view, and mm. did you executed it in a creatively and culturally relevant execution that people care about? And if you can nail those two things, um, it's gonna be great, you know. And so I think it's doesn't have to be the glitziest. I go back years ago to the. Um, there's a Volkswagen ad with the Darth Vader thing. You know, that wasn't a yeah, high yeah. production, like multi, you know, yep. million dollar production. It was just a pretty simple thing and had a non-celebrity kid in it. And, you know, so it's like, it, it really comes down to the creative craft and also knowing who your brand is and not getting too caught up in all the hoopla around it. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm here with America's Read. This is Marketing Matters. We're joined by Todd Kaplan, who's the vice president and head of marketing at PepsiCo. And we're reflecting on his home run, although I guess that's the wrong metaphor. His, uh, <laughs> touchdown, touchdown, touchdown at the Super Bowl. You know, and I want to- You mean to championship. I think you mean championship <laughs> trophy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think what you were saying, I want to recapture this because I think there is an insight because I, I, a lot of my students were talking about they couldn't remember 
whose ad was for what. And the reason why I do think Pepsi's ads were distinctive is because you were locking into the moment. The football ads were about, guess what? Football, you know, they were about football players Mm -hmm. and the Super Bowl party and the music, the music stuff was the halftime show. So it wasn't hard to remember what was Pepsi because it was so relevant. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it always comes down to, you know, us as a brand, you know, we're about what we like to call unapologetic enjoyment. And so Mm -hmm. one thing we've Mm -hmm. learned about Pepsi drinkers, it's a real insight from them is they kind of um, they're a little bit extra and they kind of don't give a F about what people think about judgment. So if they're going to eat the extra piece of cheesecake, clap at the end of the movie, go karaoke, all that kind of stuff. And so we view the halftime show as a pure embodiment of unapologetic joy. When you look at the smile on Dre's face or when Mary yeah. J. Blige was breaking it down or even frankly, people in their living rooms getting up and dancing and singing, yeah. you know, J-Lo and Shakira a couple years ago, yep. showing, expressing their culture on that stage and not caring if anybody even speaks Spanish to understand what some of the songs are. They're like, we're having a blast. Let's go. Um, and that is what our brand is really all about and wants to embody with the halftime show platform. Okay. So let's move on to the future. Sure. And we're seeing all these brands go into NFTs and yeah. uh, yeah. You, you're going to tell me in America what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm struggling, Todd, because, I, you know, I'm, I'm a digital immigrant. And so, yeah. you know, blockchain, this crypto, that. I'm yeah. just like, wait a second. I'm still trying to figure out TikTok. Hold on. <laughs> Help us out here, man. Yeah, so let me, I'll, I'll give you the thing. So we've, we've gotten into NFTs with Pepsi as well. And I'm, I'm a big believer in the space. But what I will tell you is it is early right? Mm. This web 3.0, this is, think of when web 2.0 was coming up, right? Or even web 1.0, right? You had dial up, you had the, uh, your screen took forever to load, you had Netscape, all this kind of stuff. Um, The experience for consumers today is not good in the NFT space, right? How you got to set up your digital wallet, how you got to- I have one, I can't find it. (laughs) What I will tell you is what's really exciting about the space and why I'm encouraging people to get in and get their feet wet and just learn and just trial and error is that this is where the future is going. And as you think about the blockchain, you know, this will eventually- um, be where your DMV records are. You'll buy a house on it. You'll have your doctor stuff. I mean, and your digital wallets will be publicly viewable where you'll also be able to call it, you know, flex your, your goods. So if right now, if you have a original Picasso painting or some prized possession, it's in your home and no one sees it right here. The idea is that it'll be publicly mm, available. And so that's what that's these goods are. That's what these goods are right now that are currently trending on these NFTs, which are really this idea of um, digital collectibles, much like the card industry and baseball cards, basketball cards, all of that, where it has a uniqueness. And because of the way the digital contracts are structured, where if I'm an artist, so think of in this Picasso analogy, Picasso during his life doesn't sell anything. He dies and it sells for bajillions of dollars. And on the blockchain, as each transaction, I can get a percent in perpetuity of every sale of my art. So it'll incentivize wow. to do so that it changes the game for the creators as well. That's oh, pretty cool. That's yeah. very, very cool. Well, so I mean, there's two things to the NFTs that you said, and one I can see, and the other will see. One is that they're collectibles, which means yeah. you're kind of buying it to sell. And one of my students said in 
you know, that sounds like a pyramid game to him because <laughs> at some level, who's the last person owning it if you're selling yeah. it as an investment? But that's true in the art world too, I suppose. Right, right. Um, but that's one way. The other thing that you're saying, and this is the one that that will be a real difference if what you're predicting is true, that it really will be the way people view each other and that having digital goods will be as meaningful as having tangible goods. That's Correct. a pretty bold well, I think it will be even more meaningful because the other thing that is going to happen and evolve, I think it'll take a little longer, is the whole metaverse. You hear everybody talking about right. right? And so I don't know if you've seen that movie, Ready Player One, and that's like a very dystopian, you know, long-term yes. view of what it could be. But Yep. As more people, even with the pandemic and what you're seeing that it's happening where people might need to be isolated or not physically, we're talking on Zoom. I'm not in the studio with you right now. Our lives are becoming more and more virtual. Mm -hmm. My virtual goods may matter more than my physical goods. Case mm. in point, this year, I haven't mm. worn real clothes like for most of the year. <laughs> I haven't worn shoes. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like a big, I'm a big sneakerhead and I have this mm. great collection of sneakers and I have not worn shoes the whole freaking year because mm, I'm mm -hmm. sitting at my desk at home, right? Interesting. Now, right. if I'm meeting up with my friend in a virtual playground or a virtual cafe or something down the road in the metaverse, what am I wearing? What am I drinking? Yeah. Where are we going? What like that's that's the the next level concept of where it could go. Mm. There today, not even close. Right now, gotcha. mm -hmm. it's you know if back to the web 1.0 of like when uh when pets.com had their belly up thing and I everyone you know. There is going to be a, a pitfall to kind of where all these NFTs today will go, but it will continue to evolve and course correct. And, and that's why for us, we just want to get in and learn and educate our organization because there's just so many things of like, what's Ethereum and what's the blockchain? And right. And so um, we're just starting that education process now. How do you learn about that? I mean, you have a whole team of marketers and, yeah. and it's happening in real life. I mean, it's something Americus and I have to deal with because we're supposed to be teaching the newest it's, stuff. I got, I got so to tell, tell you, us how to learn about all of this. I honestly, will, I strongly believe the best way in this space is by doing. And so you got to commit some time to just go down the rabbit hole, screw up a couple times, give, you know, get scammed by someone over here, do this over there. <laughs> but like, that's honestly the best way to learn. And then once you get in, you kind of, okay, you start trading, you know, NFTs, you buy a couple cheap ones, you learn this one was good, this one, you follow them, you know, but for us at PepsiCo, we want to encourage people to do that as well. And so we created this thing called the Pepsi Mic Drop, which is our first ever NFT collection. And because of our heritage in music, you know, there are these virtual microphones with this generative art. We made 1,893 of them, which is 1893 is the year Pepsi was born, but we gave them out to consumers for free. We didn't sell oh, them because we wanted to give them for free. And um, they, in the first 24 hours, they sold out and they've, the secondary sales, consumers have sold over six and a half million dollars of them first wow. week alone with a hundred percent of the profits going to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's just still early and we're just trying to learn and get our feet wet in the space. But um I think um, That's going amazing. through that process, we've had to educate our, our legal team, our finance, you know, there's all sorts of things as this is still new from a regulation standpoint, so many mm -hmm. layers as you think about it. But uh, yeah, it's a fun space. Yeah, regulation is interesting in this space. So you're talking about the future of the metaverse. Just talk in general about the future of marketing because you are obviously sitting right there at the pulse of it. So we're yeah. talking about 
in some sense, old school advertising, Super Bowl advertising. Yeah. But a lot of what you're seeing now is more uh, social media influencers. Totally. And so how does Pepsi think about the future in terms of their advertising dollars? I think it's spot on. I think the word advertising should just go away. Because that, <laughs> because that, is, that is the right. old school word, right? right? And you Super right. Bowl, even these big, you know, these big box agencies and big celebrity, like, you know, when's the last time you watched a commercial other than the Super Bowl, right? right. And so it really comes into, I believe marketers today need to look with their kind of horizontal vision to say, what other platforms are out there? So as we're looking at the metaverse and NFTs, or as we're looking at even content creation, we on Pepsi, in the last year alone, we created three TV shows. We created a, a game show, primetime game show on Fox called Cherry's Wild. We created a reality dating show on MTV. Uh, wow. We got a documentary on Showtime about the making of the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime nice, show. Nice, so, nice. Interesting. So, we, so Interesting. how you show up as a brand, it's not about buying spots and docs from a media agency. And it's not about waiting five months for an agency to brief that you brief and come back and forth because the speed of culture today changes ah, so quickly. You need to be culture. agile. You need to be in the right places organically. So if you're not on TikTok or Reddit or wherever the consumers are and where the hockey puck's going, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So, I okay, that. I got to ask you one more question. We've been asking everybody because you seem sure. to be a real guru on this. Guru. So, yes. Guru, is it? Oh, so at any rate, um, we're seeing a lot of brands lean into social impact, you know, Kaepernick yeah. kind of campaign, that kind of stuff. Where of does Pepsi stand on that? Yeah, brand purpose is, is also really critical in terms of making sure you know who you are as a brand, but do everything authentically in your voice. So one thing we've done is to take, for example, um, sustainability and recycling, okay. right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As a company, as PepsiCo, we've always had a big presence and done big things. But when PepsiCo talks, it's like annual report type of stuff. It's going to shareholders. It's not brand connecting at your heart. Mm -hmm. so Pepsi, we established a platform starting with a consumer insight around trash talk, how athletes like to talk trash to each other, right? And yes. the number one barrier in recycling is, is it trash? Is it recycling? Oh, that's so, so funny. We brought Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin Ooh. together and did some really cool content. And we've been using that as a platform to educate consumers that's on the benefits of recycling, that's cool. but, in a, but in a Pepsi voice. Wow. That's super cool. Oh my God. We could talk to you forever. You really oh, I, can, I can go all day. We got, we got so much stuff. I mean, if you want, we could, we could talk to your classes at some point, but it's, we, we would love that. Oh, wait a second now, sir. You opened the door. You opened the door, sir. We, yeah, we, we are going to invite you to the warden school. Absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, I, I hope it's okay. I, I, I went to Yale's for SOM. Ooh, so I'm sorry. Oh, we'll, we'll forgive you. Okay. That's okay. We, we need to, we need to bring your big, brain taught on campus this has been a fantastic no, but happy yeah. happy cool to stuff. chat it's been so much we fun would love to you have you absolutely no question todd thank you so much for joining us today and where can our listeners go to hear all about this cool stuff um you can go i mean there there's a lot of the stuff is out there you know you can check online you know our social handles on pepsi um you can check out uh i share a lot of this stuff personally on my linkedin channel things of that sort as well but uh all good thank you very much we're going to take a short break this is marketing matters business radio sirius xm 132 you're listening to marketing matters 